What is going on, fight fans, man? Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon and Boxing, man. Thank you guys for joining me for episode 14 for our recap and our reaction from the fights over the weekend. Of course, I usually do it on Monday, but I decided to wait today because we had a fight in Japan, which was a pretty good fight, man. We'll get to the results of that and much more on today's episode as we're going to recap Natasha Jones and Michaela Mare. Now, of course, we all know, I kind of feel, like there was a big heaping bowl of British stew, some home cooking served up in that fight, guys. Uh, we'll break that down for you guys, what we saw. Give you my reaction, my recap, man. Once again, guys, thank you for joining me on Bourbon and Boxing. This is my recap show, so you won't see me with any bourbon, man. It's a Tuesday. Not going to pop the lid on anything on a Tuesday. I like to save my bourbon for the weekend, baby, for our Friday, Saturday fights, all those fun, all that fun stuff for my Friday show, really. You know what I mean? Break me out a little bit of bourbon. Set back. Sippy, sippy. On the lippies. Anyways, guys, before we get too much weird, you know, before shit gets too weird up in here, uh, let's let's break down what we saw over the weekend, man. Was a heck of a main card fight, man. I will not take anything away from that at all. I will let you guys know it was one of the best fights I've seen in a long time, especially... Against two females. It was right up there with the uh, Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron fight. As far as just nonstop action from the beginning of the bell to the end of the bell. These girls fought a hell of a fight, man. So let's put that out there first. So it doesn't seem like I'm trying to take anything away from anybody. From either of these two girls. From the performance that they put on, which was absolutely spectacular on both sides. Uh, let's Let's get into it, man. We saw a 10-round IBF welterweight championship fight uh, with Natasha Jones, the belt holder, at welterweight against Michaela Mayer, who was coming up from 140 to uh, fight and challenge Natasha Mayer, or Natasha Jonas. And she's a heck of a female fighter, guys. She is really scrappy, really tough. Now, let's get into what we watched, man. Like I said, I really thought, like I told you on my uh, breakdown show, that I felt like with the size and the length advantage, the reach advantage that Michaela Mayer had, that she should have stayed on the outside and forced uh, Jonas Addis to being the aggressor of the fight and then catching her with good counter punches. Well, guess what, guys? It was the complete opposite. Complete opposite. Uh, in the beginning of this fight, it started out with Michaela Merrick came directly out of the corner as a more aggressive fighter, guys. I mean, she absolutely went at Natasha Jones. No hesitation whatsoever. Uh, really seemed to be over-aggressive, in my opinion, because she was doing the exact opposite of what I thought she should do, which was automatically establish that job, that jab, that distance. And then once she was able to do that, kind of stagnate uh, Jonas and then start to attack her in the later rounds uh, where I thought she could have maybe wore down for making her chase her around the ring a little bit and, it, you know, get on the bike, go backwards a little bit, whatever, utilize that jab, that step back jab, and then catch Natasha Jonas with a big counter. That's what I figured that mare, that's kind of game plan. I thought she should have did. And she went complete opposite guys. She went in there super over aggressive. I thought, especially in the beginning of the rounds, the way she fought. Now, this type of fighting, it helped her in the later rounds wear Jonas down because the size wearing and tearing on Jonas where okay, let's break it down for you because this fight was a little controversial, guys. 
I thought it, like I said, it was a heck of a fight, and I don't take anything away from either of these women. But I felt like the early rounds were enough to pretty much split. You know, the first four rounds could have been easily split. Fifth round would have been, to me, uh, a split round between both girls. The sixth round, I would have given to Jonas. The seventh round, I could have, I, I would have probably get, I would have given it to Mare. Of course, the eighth round uh, was another tough round for both girls. Uh, I would have edged Michaela just a little bit with the power shots that she was landing, and it looked like Jonas was being kind of wearing down a little bit. The ninth and tenth round, Michaela Mare absolutely dominated the fight. Now, I know you don't want to fight with two rounds, guys. I know that. I know two good rounds, nine and ten, that's not going to win you that fight. Now, I felt like what was going on early in the fight was Natasha Jones was doing a hell of a job of landing solid counters on Michaela Mare. But Mare was making it easy, man. She wasn't giving any flinches. She wasn't, you know, faints or anything like that. She was going directly in, and at one point she kind of got predictable, in my opinion, to where she kept going in with that overhand right trying to set, and she was lunging at times against a pretty, and Natasha Jonas is a pretty good on her feet. She moves really well. Uh, That's what she impressed me most with this fight. But she also stood her ground and kind of waited, and she countered absolutely beautiful early in this fight. And she continued throughout the fights. It's not like it, even in the later rounds that I was given Mare the later rounds, I still, Natasha Jones was still very active. Both of these girls were extremely, extremely active in the ring. Uh, both throwing non- nonstop punches, but I thought Michaela was the more busier fighter. She was landing the better power punches on uh, Jonas, and she took over to me in the rounds that mattered the most, the later rounds. Uh, where I saw Jonas kind of wearing down a little bit around the 7th, 8th, ninth round. Uh, she starts to wear down a little bit. And that's where I see Mare, you know, started to take over the fight. And this wasn't 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round that she just took over. I thought, like I said, you could have split the first early, even in the early rounds where I thought she was getting caught with a lot of counters, she was still landing incredible punches on Jonas. And I would have given her... At least in the you know split the first two round our first four rounds I could have went two 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 to Jones two on uh, Mare and then the fifth round I thought was a split round sixth round going to Jones seventh round uh, to Michaela Mare eighth round possible split round all right and then so then I had the ninth and tenth round going to Mare which I thought would have gave her the fight uh, not just off those two rounds but from the rest of the rounds too. Okay, so, man, to me, it was just, it was over in Britain. I said it from the beginning, and, you know, my daughter thought I was crazy because I was, I'm yelling, you got to knock her out, and this is going into the ninth round where she starts to kind of wear Jonas down. You see that she's getting hit with heavy punches. She's continuing to clinch. That was something else that I noticed in this fight that was not, uh, that I wasn't a fan of. Uh, and I was kind of mad that there was no warning given to Natasha Jonas on clinching and holding and continuously every time Mare would land a heavy punch that would send her back to the ropes and then start to get a little bit momentum, she would just clinch her, hold, and then break that momentum completely, and then the ref breaks them back up and they both get their footing. And there was not one time was there a warning given to uh, Jonas about the clinching. Nothing was said, and I thought that made a difference in this fight big time because, like I said, you're stopping the stamina. And every heavy punch she was landing 
to send Jonas back to the Jonas back into the uh, ropes, then she would just clench and hold until the ref broke it up. And I thought at some point there should have been a warning given to her to stop clenching that, Hey, you got to stop clenching. Here's your one warning. We're going to deduct a point if you continue to do it. But once again, guys, like I said, she got served a giant bowl of beef stew, British beef stew, not just any beef stew, some British beef stew guys, the hot steamy bowl of it guys. Uh, even though one of the judges that favored her was an American judge and then a British judge favored her. And then the other judge favored mayor. My opinion was it was just it was still home cooking, guys. Uh, she was at home. There's no way they were going to give Mayor that decision. I said it going into the seventh and eighth round. I said you got to knock her out or at least knock her down to get ahead in this fight and be able to do the where they can't where they couldn't rip you off and they'll rip you off regardless of boxing. But to the point to where it would have been more of a controversial win if they would have chose Jonas. If she would have got knocked down and she was plenty of close to getting knocked down and she definitely was hurt more. Uh, if you look at the punch count in this fight, I'm pretty, yeah, Mare out, out punched her. Uh, she threw 181 more punches than Jonas did, but she only landed 24 more. So, but that was Jonas sitting in the pocket and anticipating the over the top coming in the way Mare was coming in, right? So she knew at some point it became predictable until Mare started to throw the combinations in the, around the fifth, fourth and fifth round. She started adding these body shots and combinations that were, you know, throwing uh, Jonas off a little bit, but she was still getting caught with big, she was still getting caught with the counters. I will say that Jonas was throwing, doing great with the footwork, standing in the pocket and delivering good punches, good counter punches on Michaela Mare. Like I said, Mare made it kind of easy being so predictable. No feints, not really trying to confuse her opponent much, just attacking because she knew she was the bigger person or the bigger fighter. So I think in her mind, after taking a couple punches from Jonas, which she got hit with a couple good, solid punches, she knew she could take her punch. That changed the whole game for Mare, and it kind of made it sloppy for her, in my opinion. That, and that's what, instead of going in, backing up a little bit and being more calculated and then just outboxing uh, Jonas. She got sloppy and she, you know, she overdid it a little with, with the aggression, which I, I get that might turn off uh, some of the judges and how they scored a fight. But I, I mean, I saw a more active fighter who not only threw more punches, landed more punches and landed more uh, power punches on the power punching fighter. Jonas being the more known for her power, and Mayer outlanded her 27 more power punches uh, to, to Jonas. That's how much more. She threw 181 more punches. She landed 24 more punches than uh, Jonas did overall. And she landed 27 more power punches than Jonas did. And 34 of those were in the ninth and 10th round. 34 of her power punches were in the ninth and 10th round, guys. That's how dominant she was in those last two rounds that I thought was enough to give her that fight. Not from just two rounds, but what she did early in the fight, what she did midway in the fight, and how she ended the fight. All right. She was never, there's no way anybody can convince me that Mare was up so far early in the rounds that there was no chance for Michaela to come back in this this fight and what she did in the latter part of the fight means absolutely nothing because you she's not like she was getting her ass kicked in the early rounds of this fight she was getting countered 
heavy, but she was throwing more punches, and the counters weren't even phasing her. And she was giving back heavier punches than what she was receiving from Jonas, in my opinion. So, like I said, it's not like she was getting her ass kicked in the early rounds and that Jonas uh, dominated the early rounds so much that there was no way that you could have, that it was just undeniable that she went, no. No way. It was home cooking all the way, in my opinion. Uh, once again, boxing for you, man. And here's my question. When are the Brits going to start coming to America? We're always going to Britain, where you got your crowd behind you, you got your judges behind you. When are you guys going to come over here to the U.S. and fight American fighters in the U.S.? That's what I want to see. I think you Brits are afraid to come over here. You know, you're afraid to come over here to the U.S. Even though, here's, here's what I'll tell you, even though our fans in the U.S. love to root against our own fighters, so you might come here like a Lee Wood. He performs one good time in the U.S., and he's going to have some fans here. And that's the sad part is the Brits would probably come here and we'd be like, oh, go, whatever Brit was here. We'd be chanting his name. And we'd be booing our American fighter. Uh, weird, weird shit here. Uh, that's the one thing I, I mean, I do love about the UK. When I say you guys back your fighters, I've said it plenty of times. You guys absolutely back your fighters to the fullest. That, that guy could have 27 losses, two wins, and you guys will be there to back him up. And you will root for him for no matter who he's fighting. Even if you know he doesn't stand a chance in that fight, you're going to be there rooting for the guy. That's awesome to see, man. I love seeing a country that backs their people the way you guys do. So I, w I will say maybe there's a little jealousy on my part on how you guys back your people. But what I will say is come over here to the States. Stop making us continuously come over to the U.K. Even though I think boxing is bigger in the U.K., more tickets are sold. The money's better. So it's easy for a fighter in the U.S. to say, yeah, I'm going to go over there and make some better payday, obviously, right? Uh, so, yeah, I can't fault you guys for that. But, heck, in my opinion, man, guys, Mare won this fight. I had it, uh, what was it, 97-93 in favor of Mare uh, because I her dominance not only in the later rounds and her, you know, she split the early rounds. She didn't get her ass kicked in the early rounds. Like people are trying to say, oh, that Jonas controlled the early rounds. She didn't control enough of the early rounds, in my opinion, uh, not enough. She didn't dominate one through five. It's not like she was up five rounds to none going into the sixth round. No, that was easily two rounds to two split round. And one of those rounds were split easily. You know what I mean? And then going into the sixth round, it was pretty much an even fight down the middle. It was who was going to take over. If, if, in my opinion, if you gave Mare the sixth round, or not Mare, but Jonas the sixth round, and you give Mare the, the, I would say, seven, nine, and ten, you know, that gives her the fight, in my opinion. But tough, tough loss for Mare. Doesn't go home with the belts, but congratulations to Natasha Jonas. She did fight a hell of a fight. So, like I said, taking nothing away from any of these ladies, man. I don't want somebody to think that I'm dogging these women when they had an incredible fight. I'm deterring you from watching that fight because it was a great fight. And if you want to see action, watch these two ladies in the ring, man. They really fought it out. And congratulations to Jonas on her win and continued and, you know, retaining her IBF title at welterweight, man. Um, the undercard of that was not bad, man. We got to see Zach Telly uh, defeat Jack Cullen. And then you had Mark Jeffers. He defeated Jermaine Brown. Uh, Carissa Artistall defeated Lila De Los Santos. Aaron McKenna defeated 
Mickey Gillison. Uh, Jack Messi defeated Steve Eleando Natere. I told you I like that name. I'm about to steal the name. Legally, go change my name to that. I wonder if that guy is suing me, actually. I probably won't do that, but it's a good idea anyways. All right, guys, man. I wish I had a nice sip of bourbon right now before we jump into what we saw today at early. I, I, I heard it went on about 3 o'clock in the morning, according to the announcers that were the females. That I, I felt bad uh, that ESPN... I guess uh, you know the other announcers. Most you know most of the guys were like, "I'm not getting up that early to do a fight in Japan." Uh, so they gave it to the ladies who did a great job. Let me tell you guys, great job! Shout out to the ladies who did the announcing on the on the Japan fight today for the U.S. Great job, man! Uh, love what you guys brought to the table. Really interesting to hear you guys uh, talk about fighting. Of course, they're ex fighters. They know their shit, man. They're they're no chumps. Uh, but, of course, that fight happened super early in the morning over in Japan, uh, about 3.45 a.m., which is nighttime over there here in the U.S. So I watched that when I got off work today around 3 o'clock, man. I caught that fight. I watched a little bit of the undercard, didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I was trying to get the show done, uh, do my notes while kind of watching it. The undercard was, eh, okay, it wasn't super interesting. Most of the fights in Japan have really good undercards, so, you know, uh, you get some really entertaining fights. Not so much in this one. Uh, undercard wasn't all that great. Uh, let's see. But the main card, man, the main card, that was a heck of a fight. Uh, much like the Jonas and Mare fight, this fight was pretty much the same thing. Uh, these guys came out of the corner just throwing, throwing from the beginning. Uh, we had a knockdown in the first round. Uh, then we had... Uh, we watched uh, Kashiro Tarazi get knocked down in the fourth, third or fourth round, I think it was. He got knocked down. Uh, so we saw two knockdowns, both on each side, and both of these guys just banged it out. Of course, I thought Tarazi were, was uh, Kashiro Tarazi was landing the bigger, better punches uh, against Carlos Canazals. I knew the fucking name earlier. Excuse my language. I practiced this name all fucking day i've heard it pronounced and then now it just goes brain dead to me uh but anyways man this fight man it started out from round one all the way to the very end it was a 12 round wbc and wba junior flyweight title fight uh came that came down to a majority decision for the champ of course uh kashiro uh tarazi he, he won the fight continued to be uh retain both of his belts um now he's also talked about he wants to stay he would like to stay in the flyweight division and uh put up a fight against uh jonathan bombo rodriguez and unify that division but for some reason these two guys can't seem to come to terms on what they think you know how they can get this fight going it's fell apart in the past i don't know if one guy doesn't want to come over to japan uh Maybe Bombo doesn't want to come over to Japan. Uh, he's denying that. And, of course, Kashiro, we all know, has never fought outside of Japan. That's my issue with a lot of these Japan fighters, man. I think they got to start branching these guys out a little bit more, get them up in Canada, uh, get them over here in the U.S., get them over in Britain. Uh, you know, space these fighters out because they seem to have a really good uh, build of fighters over there in Japan. 
So now it's time to spread them out, let them get their wings, test it out in the world. Uh, over in Australia, great fights. Canada, great fights. U.S., great fights. U.K., great fights. So in my opinion, man, you got to start branching these guys out so we can get a little bit more attention to them, for one, and also see what their talent really is. Because some of these guys look really good, but, you know, with it just always being in Japan, we just don't know how much is just favored towards them, the, the opponents. Uh, you know, they're not really fighting top-flight opponents. Uh, you know, of course, some of the guys are. This was a pretty good fight, like I said. Uh, it was overall a great fight, very entertaining. Uh, but like we said, he wants to fight Jonathan uh, Bambo Rodriguez. He wants to unify the division, stay at super flyweight, man. He, uh, I like what I see with him, man, because he was taking some good, solid punches, he showed he had a chin. Uh, he was definitely getting tested today. Like I said, he took a knockdown in the fourth round. He got up, and, you know, he recovered really, really fast from that knockdown. Uh, and there was a couple other times he seemed to be in trouble, but he just he maintained himself, and he recovered really well and then continued to box really well. Uh, I thought he landed the more precise punches, uh, and he stayed a little bit more active. But it was hard against a guy like Carlos who was just, he was bringing it, man. He was definitely bringing it. Hats off to both of these guys. A hell of a fight to watch on Tuesday. You can check that out on ESPN+. Plus If you have it, check it out. Uh, just go down to the boxing logo, click on the boxing glove, and it'll take you into the archives, man. And you can catch that fight, which is on uh, the on-demand there. Uh, like I said, he wants to unify. Let's get into a little boxing news, man. Not a lot of boxing news, man. About to wrap the show up, guys. Like I said, this is my recap and reaction show. It's never really normally a long show, man. It's just me catching you guys up on what happened over the weekend. Give you a little bit of boxing news. Get you the boxing schedule, man. And tell you guys about my show coming up on Friday, of course. Uh, let's jump into this boxing news, man. Uh, looks like uh, Richard Hitchens. Versus Lemos is a done deal. That's going to be announced for April 6th. Jordan Gill versus Zelfa Barrett is announced for April 13th. Dalton Smith versus Jose Zapata. That's going to be a hell of a one. I really like Dalton Smith, man. He's a young guy. If I'm correct, Dalton Smith's a kid that's with the uh, UFC. Fighting Jose Zapata. Okay, okay. I get that because Zapata, if I'm correct, is with uh, is he with ESPN? I have to double-check on that, because if he is, that makes sense, because UFC works with uh, ESPN really, really well, so I could see that being made. But Dalton Smith, young guy, I think Jose Cepeda is going to knock this kid's head off, though. Uh, maybe he surprises me, but that's been announced for March 23rd. Also on that same car, the fight that I really like, man, is Sandy Ryan versus Terry Harper. Uh, that's an all-female fight. Uh, that's also March 23rd. I think that's on the same card, so it might be a co-main event. There, uh, that's that. Those fights, if I'm pretty sure, maybe Dalton Smith is a kid on the uh, zone, the young kid on the zone. Maybe he is. I don't know. I'm confused. Some of these fighters, man. There's a lot of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like Sandy Ryan a lot. Big time fan of Sandy Ryan. Uh, after taking a loss, she's really come back and looked extremely good and made all the right moves and uh, adjustments that she's needed to make. It's great to see somebody who takes a loss come back even. Even stronger the way Sandy Ryan has. Big fan of Sandy Ryan out of the UK over there, guys. Uh, Tank Davis versus Frank Mar Martin is rumored to be the first pay-per-view for Amazon Prime. Now, if that's true, I'm going to tell you guys right now, that's a hell of a way to kick off boxing on Prime, Amazon Prime video. Uh, that would be a hell of a fight. 
I love both of these guys. Of course, I'm going to favor Davis with his power because Frank's a hell of a fighter, but he's not a power puncher the way Davis is. And, uh, and I just think that's a hell of a fight. I tell everybody that, you know, because I said I thought Tank, if if Loma and Cabosa, after they fight, you could possibly line up Tank and Loma uh, and put all the belts out there for a unification fight. And I see Frank Martin similar to like a Loma. In my opinion, the way he moves and the way he pivots and his speed he and his combinations, I like him a lot. Uh, great movement. I think that would be a hell of a fight between him and Tank Davis. A great fight to put on. Uh, and especially a great way for Prime Video to kick off boxing. Of course, that would be a pay-per-view, guys, because I, well, that's what pretty much what I'm hearing. Kind of like Showtime, any of the big fights we're going to be on pay-per-view, and then we're going to just, we'll get other fights that aren't pay-per-view fights. But, you know, we may end up, we'll, we'll get quite a bit. Hopefully, I'm very interested to see how Prime's going to kick this off, if they're just kind of going to delve head first into it, not knowing much about boxing, or if they're doing their homework right now, and they're trying to set themselves up for success with boxing. That's what I'm hoping they're doing. I'm also hearing that Netflix is desperately wanting to get into the boxing game. Uh, now, I'm hearing for some reason. Now, if I am if I am correct, the Zone and uh, MVP promotions will no longer continue with each other. I want to say after the next Amanda Serrano-Jake Paul fight. I think that will be the last fight they'll do on the Zone. Uh, if I'm correct, they'll no longer continue with each other. Now, Netflix is in talks with uh, MV MVP promotions, which sucks for them. I mean, you're going to get into the boxing game, uh, and you're going to bring in YouTube as your introduction into boxing. Uh, to me, that sucks, man. If I had to issue a warning to uh, you know, Netflix about YouTube boxing, MVP promotions, I mean, if they're going to, going to continue to sponsor Amanda Serrano and put real fights on, awesome. But I think you got to take the fucking Jake Paul fights off of that. I, I Jake Paul, I like I said, I think he's a great advocate for the sport of boxing. I think he's going to be a great promoter for boxing. You know, he's a smart, smart young dude. But here's a fact. He's not a boxer. All this shit he's doing right now, and you can't convince me that half this shit isn't set up. It's all staged. Uh, I mean, with these YouTube guys, you don't know what to fucking believe, man. They're all a show. They're all about putting on a show, right? You think he's going to get into boxing and get his ass kicked? I mean, this is why he keeps fighting these other fighters, like these non-boxing style fighters. Uh, but the fact is, I just think it's all staged. Uh, I think you put the right amount of money up. I don't give a shit who they are. They're going to take a dive. If they can make a big payday, especially half these people that he's fighting, they're already retired out of the sport of UFC or whatever they were in, uh, basketball, whatever it was. And then, you know, Nate, and now the, the Nate fight, I don't know, with the little dude that he knocked out kind of shitty, that he was even fighting a guy that fucking small when he's like six foot something. And this guy's like five foot five, and you're going to go fight a midget. And like, come on, that that's messed up. But regardless of that, I don't really like him as a boxer. I think all his bullshit is staged. Uh, it's He's not really selling tickets. Um, you know, the way he wants. Of course, when he puts fighters on there like Amanda Serrano and stuff like that, he's going to sell more tickets because of that. But then he continues to put himself as the headliner. I think Amanda Serrano is the headliner of this one, and he is the co-main event, which is good to see. Take a backseat. I think it's time for him to take a backseat in this boxing thing. 
I don't really see it developing promotion wise. Awesome. Uh, like I said, you know, advocate for the sport. I love it. You know, bring attention to boxing. That's great. But just step away from it as a boxer. I, I don't agree with Jake as a boxer. I just feel like it's staged, guys. I, I Something's telling me that in five years, we're going to find out that all that shit was staged, that he paid all these guys to take a dive. Just take my word. This is episode 14. Look back on it on my podcast. Five years from now, you're going to go, hey, this fucking guy on Bourbon and Boxing, he told us that this shit was rigged. You know, he said it. So look back. I, I just have a feeling in my gut that all that shit's rigged. Much like Hollywood in general. Just all fake, man. It's all fake. Uh, all right. Now, next week, we are going to at least get two co uh, two main events going on. Both are actually on the zone. One's And it's going to give you an all-day event because one is in uh, over in the U.K., uh, Liverpool, if I'm correct, and one is in Arizona, so over here in the U.S. So you're going to get an all-day event of boxing. Uh, the first fight is going to be Lewis Crocker versus Jose Felix. That's going to be a pretty good fight. That's a main event. I don't know the undercard. We'll get more into that on Friday when I do my breakdown. Uh, I'll look more into the undercard of these fights. But you're also going to get Jaime Munguia, who I'm 50-50 on Jaime, man, uh, versus John Ryder, who, you know, I think that's going to be a good fight overall. I think Jaime Munguia takes that fight. I like Jaime a lot, man. I thought he was tested really well against uh, Durbinchenko, who I think absolutely tested his jaw uh, and his toughness, man. I, I think that was his toughest fight of his career. Now, do I think he should be fighting Canelo if he beats John Ryder, that he should get the right to fight Canelo? No, not at all. He doesn't have anything to offer in that fight. No reason Canelo should be fighting him. Uh, and then that gets me on to the Canelo trip again, which I don't really like to because it gets me fired up. But, you know, he's out here saying that, you know, he doesn't want to fight David Benavidez because he's too easy. He's too predictable. He'll beat him too easy. Number one, that's the lamest shit anybody could ever say about fighting somebody. I don't want to fight you because you're not on my level. I'll kick your ass up and down this ring, you know. Oh, well, if that's the case, then fighting. Then fighting. But what I think it is, is I think he's chicken. Chicken, Holmes. Uh, he'll kick my ass, but still, I think it's a chicken-ass move. He's going to go fight in, uh, a Charlo who hasn't been in the ring in almost two years. He's fought one fight, Jose Benavidez. He looked decent, but I don't think he's ready to come in and fight a fucking guy like Canelo at 168 when he's just now going to the 168 division. Uh, I don't think he should have that fight, and I think that boxing needs to step in and say, okay, you can take the fight against Charlo, but we're taking all your fucking belts, and we're going to put them all in limbo. And when you want to fight David Benavidez, we're going to bring all those belts down because your mandatory is David Benavidez. Not Terrence fucking Crawford, not Charlo, not Jaime Munguia. Those are not your mandatories. David Benavidez is your mandatory to fight. So how can he just continue to skip over this kid? And the WBC, WBA, IBF, none of you motherfuckers are going to do shit about it. Like I said, I can't, I can't talk Canelo without getting fired up because he's a cherry-picking little fuck is what he is. Trying to build his legacy, just cherry-picking the fucking guys that he knows he can beat. 
You know, he cherry picked John Ryder. He cherry picked Caleb Plant. You know, he's cherry picked the fucking younger Charlo brother. He's going to cherry pick the older Charlo brother. He's going to cherry pick Jaime Mangia. These are all guys he knows he can fucking beat. He's not going to go fight a David Morrell that can kick his ass. He's not going to go fight a David Benavidez that's going to kick his ass. If he, you know, step up and fight the winner of Better, uh, better Beave and Baval. Bet you Better Beave whoops that ass. He won't step up and ever fight that guy. He'll step up and fight a Baval because he knows Baval doesn't have the power to knock him out. He knows Better Beave can probably definitely knock his ass out. So he'll never challenge that guy. Of course, he's like, yeah, I'll fight Terrence Crawford, who's three weight classes under me, Holmes. I'm going to kick his ass. Yeah, I bet you fucking are. You're three weight classes bigger. And I, you know what I would love more than anything? I would love for Crawford to take that fight and whoop your fucking ass, man. I would love that. That would be awesome, man. But I can't say it enough. Canelo is officially the cherry picker of boxing. Y'all remember that guy? In basketball, they used to cherry pick under the freaking rim while the rest of us ran down the freaking court hustling our ass off. You had that one slobby ass dude at the end who didn't feel like running with you and he was just cherry picking. And then as soon as the other, you know, you throw up a shot and miss it, his buddy grabs a rebound and launches it all the way down the end of the court to him, his cherry picking ass underneath the rim. That is Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez, you are the guy underneath the basketball rim who cherry picks. He doesn't want to run the court and takes easy buckets, man. Whatever, man, you built your legacy. You have the right to do whatever you want, but just know that it's not going unnoticed, not in the boxing world, man. You can keep fighting all these cherry pick fights that you think is all people want to see. I think people just need to get to the point, and I know the Mexican fan base is never going to turn their back on Canelo. But the fact is, is that the rest of us need to say, you know what? I don't want to watch you versus Charlo. I don't want to see that fight. I'm a, I'm a lie. I'll, I'll tune in because Charlo is a professional boxer, man. He is. Maybe you know he gets his shit right. I don't think he's any. I don't think he's good enough to to, you know, be a threat to uh, Canelo Alvarez. In my opinion, I, I don't think he is. But that's like I'm saying, he's not going to fight anybody who's going to be a threat to beat him. He He's not going to take one more loss on his record. That's why he keeps turning down and putting up these ridiculous, uh, you know, agreements towards the Baval fight because he really doesn't want that fight again. Uh, he doesn't want to take another loss on his record, so he's going to cherry pick all these fucking guys, make excuses why he won't fight David. David Benavidez is not on my level. I'm too good for him. Won't you lick your own ass a little bit more? No, there's nothing worse than somebody licks their own ass, pats herself on the back. I'm sorry for the lane. Like I said, man, this guy gets me fired up in boxing. Canelo Alvarez, he really does. And it's not me saying he's a bad boxer. I'm not saying Canelo Alvarez is a bad boxer. I'm saying he's a cherry picker. He's just trying to continue to to make his legacy like he's the greatest boxer ever. You'll never be the greatest boxer ever, dude. That's that's out the window. Uh, you lost to who can be considered one of the greatest, Floyd Mayweather. You lost to that guy. Uh, so I don't know. I'll, I'll get off that topic, man. Instead of letting this episode drag out anymore, we will cut it short, guys. We will cut this episode short. Like I said, I got a nice, heapy, hot bowl of British stew sitting here waiting for me to munch down on. Of course, me and Natasha Jones are going to have some dinner together. Natasha Jonas, I'm sorry. We're going to have some heaping beef stew together, man. And enjoy the win that she got. I'm sorry. I'm being a dick. I don't want to take that away from her, guys. Great win from her. 
But hey, man, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of Bourbon and Boxing, man. My uh, podcast edition recap and reactions, which I'll drop on my Spotify, Amazon, and iHeartRadio, man. Tune into any of those for the show, and I might even drop the video onto YouTube, man, and see what kind of reactions I get on there. Um, and hey, thank you guys once again for joining me, man. This is another episode of Bourbon and Boxing. Thank you.